Kia ora. Welcome to the New Zealand Sim Nurse NZ podcast. My name is Erin. And I'm Alison. And I'm Marie. We are the three nurse educators from the Douglas Starship Simulation Program based in Auckland, New Zealand. We're all passionate about our work and so we'd like to welcome you to join us as we have a range of conversations about all things sim. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Kei ngā maunga whakahi, kei ngā wai tukukiri, kei ngā mā tawaka o te motu. Ka nui te mihi kia koutou. To those who connect to the mountains, the rivers and oceans across the land, Hello and welcome to you all. Welcome to episode one of the Sim Nurse NZ podcast. We're all really excited to be here. I'm here with Alison and Marie. And uh, yeah, we're just really thrilled to be getting into it today. <laughs> uh, full disclaimer, this is uh, obviously we're all nurses, but uh, we want to be want you to know that we're an inclusive podcast Everyone from all disciplines is welcome here, and uh, we think that everyone's got something to get out of this podcast. So today, uh, the run of order, we're basically just going to have a bit of an intro of the three of us, and let you get to know us a little bit, and then we're going to get into a bit of a conversation about the Rousson and Weinstock uh, Junawaraka, what year was that? Girls, was it 2000 and... I think it's 2017. 27. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say 2017. Yeah. So we'll get into a bit of a conversation, discussion about that following on from our introductions. All right. Cool. So, tēnā koutou kua hui hui mai nei, e mihi ana ki nā mana whenua, ko Cam Bennett Tokufano. Ko Erin Toka Ingoa, no Tamaki Makoto Aho, e Mahiana o He Poako Nehe Ki Te Tokatumai, no Reira Tenakoto Katoa. So my name's Erin. Uh, I'm the lead host, if you like, uh, for this podcast. Um, so I've been a nurse for 15 years. Uh, predominantly in children's ED and starship. I started nursing in 2008 uh, as a new graduate nurse in um, children's ED. And I then remember in... when you started. Alison <laughs> <laughs> was one of my mentors. Or uh, oh, That cool. makes me feel really old. But yeah, I know. You, you were like a senior nurse that I looked up to. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, Alison's definitely got a part in this story, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, so then I kind of worked my, worked my way up to level four nurse in children's ED, finished my master's, um, then I had a baby and was a, char- a clinical charge nurse for five years there, um, did a few other bits and pieces like a patient flow coordinator throughout Starship in the winter months and things, wow, cool. uh, and yeah, then I moved down to Rotorua for three years. Well, my husband was sort of persevering, working on a rescue helicopter, um, and I was the charge nurse of uh, the children's unit and community services down in uh, Lakes DHB, uh, covering Rotorua and Topo. Um, yeah, and then somehow ended up back up here <laughs> by a stroke of luck in 2019, uh, sort of changed course from management 
several years in management back into education, which has always been a real passion of mine. And here we are, really. The rest is history, <laughs> I guess. Were, yeah. were you a volunteer yeah. fireman? I mean, firewoman. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. Fire person. Yes, yeah, that is very I feel true. Like that's significant. Yeah, yeah. So when I was at um, university, uh, I became a volunteer firewoman. Uh, I was quite young at the time, obviously. And yeah, it was uh, probably seen the most trauma right. in my career. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, went on some big house fires. Went to some big motor vehicle accidents, had to learn to triage pretty quick. Um, yeah, got a lot of skills actually in that role that I still use today, to be fair. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, and That's it was amazing. a pretty pivotal thing for me of uh, cueing my interest in emergency mm-hmm. medicine as well. So. so what got you into simulation? Uh, I think it was basically after being on a lot of Zone 3 trainings with Trish Wood um, and the rest of the Starship Simulation Program and Children's ED, I learned so much and I really saw the value of simulation and I was so lucky, I think, that when I became a new grad nurse in 2008, simulation was just kind of kicking off in Starship and Mm -hmm. Trish um, was obviously pretty pivotal in that. So I kind of grew up with the sim program, mm. if you like, and um, certainly as I became a manager and things, kind of seeing these uh, junior nurses come through the ranks mm. and, you know, doctors obviously as well, and seeing the difference that the simulation right. made for them, mm. you know, seeing them mm. absolutely nail these massive resources that they'd never been in before, but they'd obviously practiced in simulation and it was just mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd all, I had to really think hard when I needed to leave management about what it was that I wanted to do. And it was definitely the first thing I thought of was I really want to go and work in simulation because mm. I thought it was just really incredible on many, many levels. Mm. Cool. Yeah, similar. Very similar. All right. So, Ali, do you want I'll, I'll hand uh, over to you? You can intro you. I'll start with my <laughs> papiha. Um, Tena koto, kua huihui, maine. E mihiana, kina, manam fenua. Ko kaurai, toku fanau. Ko alison, toka ingoa. No tamaki makaro aho. E mahayana, ahe tapue, ki toka tamai. No rera, Tēnā koutou katoa. Um, so, my name's Alison. Um, Al, Ali, whoever you want to go by. <laughs> Al um, Bell. Al Bell. <laughs> um, I've been paediatric nursing for 22 years, did my training over in the UK. Um, so, I've specialised from in peds from day one. Never yeah. went into work in in adults and I stuck with the kids Um, done a variety of jobs so I've worked on the wards I've worked in PICU um, intensive care for 18 months Um, did a year in Australia kind of Mm. travelling working over there Um, and then I came back but my passion was always I wanted to work in emergency medicine so Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. kind of basically came over to New Zealand on a holiday had an interview at Starship Children's ED, got the job on the spot, and six months later got a one-way ticket out to New Zealand from the UK. So wow. kind of been cool. in this job ever since. And throughout that time, 
like Erin, I think I've seen um, simulation and been part of simulation, good and bad. Um, but I was really, really jealous of the people that were actually doing it. Yeah. And I was like fascinated <laughs> by all the technology, which is quite ironic since I, I consider myself quite a technophobe. I'm getting a lot better. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I'm getting way better. But, you know, I actually saw the technology and I saw one of my friends was involved in it. And I was like, how come she's doing it? And I really want to be involved in it so I just badgered and badgered the team until they they gave me a job basically Um, and I've been doing this along with um, Erin and Marie for the last three years almost Mm. absolutely love it I love teaching Um, teaching is my absolute passion Mm -hmm. I you know you gather all this knowledge and all this information and you just want to share it. Mm. And, you know, you just feel really privileged being able to share it with other people yeah. and seeing how they can learn from things and they learn themselves as well. And I, I just love the way that simulation, you know, you can kind of change a lot. You can change people's, mm. you know, the way that they do things. But mm. also we can sort of see, you know, the number of times that we've kind of seen that policies don't work you know you can't find a policy in in an acute situation or you can't find the right drug in an acute situation we've been there doing a simulation we've been able to change that and change that for the better so you know (coughs) making things safer for the staff and for the kids um so yeah I just love the fact that you know what we do can make a big difference and Mm. I think that's my kind of go-to for simulation and why people should embrace it um, in their workplaces um, is that it can cause it can make a huge difference to people's working lives Um, so that's why I'm really passionate about it I love watching Ellie teach it's like she just comes into her own and it's like this whole alter ego comes out and it's just I love watching it it's so great it's yes true story yeah it is it's this. and the number of people that have said to me oh my god you've changed so much since you've started doing this job you know it's it's self-confidence and mm-hmm. and sort of mm. everything has just you know really yeah it's my passion it's, it's mm. where I found my happy place yeah. in life yeah and, you know and I think you know we just want to share that with everybody else and yeah. if anybody else yeah. can get into simulation and have that same kind of passion that's what we're aiming for yes yeah. so you know just get into it and the simulation community is just such Amazing. a giving community so yeah. Cool, yeah you know they're not kind of you know they're not selfish about what they learn you know I love going on mm-hmm. to kind of Twitter and things like that mm. and you sort of hear people going I found this really cool way of doing yeah. this you know and everybody goes how do you do that and they're like here you go <laughs> yeah. yes and they like share this. it and yeah it's, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. A, absolutely amazing so yeah. That's my story. Without yeah, further yeah. ado, mm. I will pass over to Maz and she can introduce herself. Kia ora tātou. Ko mangafau te maunga e rūne takunyako. Ko tika pa moana o hauraki te moana e mahi ane ākou maharahara. Nō whakatāne e wai hōpai o kutipuna. I tipu aku ake au ki Epsom e noho ana au ki te hau kāpua. Ko Collins and Tokufano, ko Maria Ho. Emihi ana tohu o nehi o Tamaki Makoto in noho nei o. Ko tēnei taku mihi ki ngā tangata whenua o te rohe nei. Nō reira, tēnā koutou katoa. Kia ora everybody, my name's Marie um, and 
Yeah, I'm the the third arm of the ultimate tripod. I love that <laughs> so much. I can't even I can't even not say it again. Um, and I have been nursing for 18 years. I can't believe I say that out loud. Um, and yeah, my background is mostly NICU. I've done some PICU. I've been a lactation consultant in a previous life. I've been a nurse educator. I've been a rest home manager. You name it. Um, uh, a NLS, little bit. NLS instructor. Oh, NLS instructor. <laughs> you know, like there's... I just love the kind of, you know, NICU to rest home. I just <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you got the whole range in there. It's just like, Don't yeah. tell anyone, but it's uh, dispatching to hatching. Nice. <laughs> That's a bit naughty, isn't it? Um... <laughs> But yeah, I, um, I've had an interest in all things. I, my mother's a registered nurse, so I grew up, I grew up uh, and my dad was in the army, actually, so I grew up in a very uh, regimented household. Wow, um, yeah. And Wowza. I had an interest in all things sort of helping people from a really young age. Um, and interestingly, sort of looking back, a fascination with all things simulation from a really early age. Um, I was involved in a youth organisation that did a lot of kind of reconstruction of first aid events and we would have to, you know, as part of a competition, we would have to manage that as a group. And um, and I loved that stuff. I loved all of that stuff. And, and it wasn't kind of until I got sort of further into my nursing career and discovered that actually that was something that was a thing and, and, and sort of put the two together, to be honest. I was like, oh, my God, I really, like... Again, I was introduced to some much later than these fantastic women beside me, but um, it was just this overwhelming, oh my God, that's so amazing and cool and I want desperately to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. and again, it wasn't until I did some reflection that I looked back and was like, oh my goodness, I've had an interest in this for quite a long time. And yeah, um, yeah, so just... As everybody has mentioned, everything sim is, it's again, passion is the right word, I think, mm-hmm. that we've all mm-hmm. used. It's a strong, strong driving force. But I think the fact that, you know, lots of things in medicine require lots of research and data points and all kinds mm. of stuff. But I feel like so much with simulation, obviously all of that stuff's really important, but I feel like anecdotally, I can see it in front of my eyes in in just half an hour watching medical professionals Mm. improve their practice is so profound. And it just, yeah, again, it it just drives me every single day to to keep going, to be better in myself and to, again, impart experiential learning and and knowledge and, and, again, share the people that we're working with's knowledge as well, because it's not just about us imparting mm. our knowledge. No. It's about the yep. collective learning, sharing yeah. all of our knowledge with with all of us, sort of all of the time. Um, and yeah, so that's I think that's that's part of what makes it truly amazing for me um, is is kind of that real time. Mm. Did you guys see? Like, did you actually see how much you improved? Like, because yeah. I certainly can see it. Um, I don't know. And, you know, you know, so often they can also sort of, you can see them sort of feel it. They don't want to say that out loud, but yeah. they can sort of feel how much better they've got just over that course of a really short time. So, yeah, um, super excited to be here to podcast with everybody. Um, again, I think I'm the, Ellie's the technophobe, but I'm like the techno illiterate uh, in Oops. terms of, in <laughs> uh, terms of, no, this is all very <laughs> foreign, but, um, 
yeah, really excited to be here yeah. and share our. I'm the per- yeah, Marie's wisdom. the person that I always go to when I can't get my technology um, to work. So <laughs> she sits you, next to me yeah. in the office and she knows. Um, I, I, can, I can make stuff work on the computer, but again, uh, this both whole social a, media yeah. and podcast situation is a little bit foreign still. Yeah. We're all here to learn. Yeah. Right? yeah. We all kind of cool. hold each other up. I yeah. Guess. Ultimate tripod. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess that's just wrapping up the intros there. So we wanted to talk about a foundational article um, that has kind of become the foundation of everything that we do in our team, which is interesting. Because we all started at the same time and we were mm. all kind of, you know, much as we had the passion about simulation, we kind of started on the very first day together. Yeah. And we kind of all had to find a, mm. a way forward and how are we going to actually do this job. So I think this is where that article kind of came into it. So, yeah. so I'll Yeah. And it was yeah. – so the article was uh, – we will link it in the show notes. It's called Sim Zones and Organisational Innovation for Simulation Programs and Centres. And it's by Roussan and Weinstock, 2017. Um, it was sort of like we started in this job together in 2019, and it was sort of a bit of a throwaway comment in a meeting, like, oh, how are we going to organise this library and how are we going to do this program? Mm. Um, so it was a bit of a, well, what about that uh, article of Chris and Peter's? So it was just sort of this bit of a throwaway comment. Is of like sort of similar to the podcast. What about this? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So... But, like, we literally can't imagine our program without it. It's everything that we do, and we use mm. it every day. And it can, I think, without it, sometimes it can be sort of the cause of a lot of your issues in your SIM program. It's, um, the, it's the organisational structure. It's the way we talk about SIM. Yeah. It's the way that we categorise what we're doing and how we're doing it. It's mm. the way that we... It's it's kind of just it's almost like a language. It's our language that we speak. Hey, like it's yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's that foundational in terms of yeah. The the team just kind of builds on 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 it in terms of everything that we do. Yeah, not just how we roll out sim, but you know how we organize it, how we talk about it. Yeah, mm. I think that's a good way to describe it. So, I guess what we wanted to talk to today is just. Yeah, obviously, you know, we hope that you'll go to the um, art- the article in the show notes if you have no idea what we're talking about here. <laughs> um, but essentially, we're going to talk about sort of what the three zones are that we use and how we use it, just in the hope that, you know, when you lead it, listen into Peter Weinstock's interview next week, um, you sort of, you've got a bit of an idea of what we're talking about, basically. So, Meza, did you want to talk to zone one a little bit? Yeah, so um, in the article there's there's a, all kinds of well there's a, a rubric if you like, um, and it's a it's a diagram that that breaks it all down zone zero one two three and four. Um, I think zero being kind of direct skills practice, and four being real life, um, and then everything in the middle. So for us, zone one is um, it's not sort of direct, this is how you put in an IV or a sort of direct skills, but it's pretty close to that. It's it's potentially how more than one person 
um, interacts in a, in a certain scenario, but it's not much more than that. Um, and generally, it's and if it's more people than that, then it's focused on one particular thing, mm. like it's an algorithm. It's quite foundational, or, isn't it? It's kind mm. of yeah. It's that really basic learning kind of. Um, and, and the article talks about it, but it's it's in that single loop learning. Mm. And if you've not read anything about sim, again, this article is is really good about explaining single and double loop learning. Um, but it, but essentially, it's that I'm going to teach you something, and you're going to practice it, and then I'm going to critique you. And it's kind of that, mm-hmm. that just that single single loop stuff. Um, again, y- using this as our foundation. We generally use um, the debriefing model that we call pause and discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where, you know, again, if it's an algorithm, you get the, the team to, to go, you know, to, to, to do it, to, to do it on a patient. And then you, if they get stuck, you pause them and we have a quick discussion about either, you know, clarifying questions or, or you know, answering where do we go from here type things and then um, we get sort of back into the back into the scenario. And again, it's a pretty basic scenario. There's not a lot of extraneous noise. There's mm. not other people. It's usually um, a single team, so it, it's a it, and it's a smaller team. Um, so it's it, there's less distraction and and relatively tight clinical content. You know, like it's it's kind of again one situation or scenario and. And that sort it's of very stuff. directive, isn't it? It's that yeah. stop, start, not like this, like that. Let's do it again. Yeah, yeah. muscle memory. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, it's kind of important. It's like when we're talking about learners, you know, anybody can be a learner. You know, the mm. most experienced consultant, Absolutely. if they're learning something for the first time, mm-hmm. they're a learner. They're mm. learning exactly the same way yeah. as you know, brand new staff nurse or somebody. Definitely. You know, if you're learning a new policy or mm-hmm. a new procedure. You're a learner, and this is that kind of foundational kind of, okay, we're going to do this single loop learning. How would, how do we go through this? And we can stop and start you as many times as we need to until you're comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's very much for the novice. And, and as Ellie perfectly pointed out, a novice can be anybody from, mm. you know, a junior, junior, mm. junior, all the way through to a senior, senior, senior. So, But if they're learning something new to them, then it's, it's, that's kind of the modality that we tend yeah. to use. And like, just to sort of clarify, like we get an email come in of someone wanting some kind of education. This is the language that we're talking in. Like, which zone do yeah. you think that this is going to be in? Mm, absolutely. That sounds like a bit of a one, or we need yeah. to start at a one, or maybe we do a this or a that. So this is what how we choose and decide how we're going to teach people and I mean, what the perfect, needs are. Yeah, mm. The perfect example of this was when COVID first started mm. and we had to do so many COVID sims. People were very yeah. unfamiliar with COVID. We didn't yeah. know how to deal with a COVID patient and we ran so many of these zone one just with the in-situ mm. teams going through the policy we would stop so many times and go okay that's not quite working let's go and redo it yeah. mm. and, and it was, was it was with massive groups it, it was like with it was huge was groups such yeah. big groups because everybody was so anxious and everybody wanted their voice at the table and wanted to be involved with how is this going to roll out but it was but it was it was very stop start and mm. very and people could discuss their ideas mm. it allowed people to sort of discuss ideas it allowed the the people running the sims you know our sim team to sort of say okay what 
do you think about this? How are we going to do this? How do you want to do this? Yeah. And it was kind of just... Absolutely. Mm. Um, And I think that's where the power of kind of zone one does Mm. come in. It it gives people the chance to kind of give their opinion and Mm. sort of talk about what they're doing. Um, Yeah. yeah. Like that whole work imagined versus work done. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. That initial, that initial trans, like that initial transition, almost from that. Hey, like mm. we've sat around and we've decided how we think this is going to mm-hmm. work out, mm-hmm. and and so let's do this preliminary, try it out, mm-hmm. and then and, and again, you can move that all the way through to, to zone three. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it's yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's the zone one is the basic, yeah. most basic of basic, but there's still power in the yeah, massive, in the basic, yeah, massive. and again, especially if you, if it's if it's new to everybody, you know, mm. Um, mm. It's, it can be hugely powerful. So, Ali, do you want to tell us a little bit about zone two then? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, this is pretty much where we kind of got our bread and butter these days. Mm. Um, I mean, zone two is. It's what we do the most of, and that's come with that pivot um, that you spoke about, Erin. You know, we've kind of had to pivot into, we used to try and do a lot of zone three, which is, you know, very immersive, big teams, mm. spends a lot of time organizing. And we mm. found that people just didn't have the bandwidth for that. So much resource. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to get people Definitely. away for quality teaching and quality simulation, but in a short space of time. Mm. And being able to kind of sell that to the stakeholders, <laughs> like the, you know, the people that actually run the wards um, mm. and that have to deal with getting their staff off. Um, mm-hmm. So zone two, um, we tend to kind of, it's a little bit more immersive, so we'll have a short scenario. We tended to call them short scenarios at the start. Mm. Um, and we'll have a short scenario, and it will encompass, um, we've got tasks that we kind of want people to sort of achieve, you know, whether it's kind of allocating roles, you know, do we want them to recognize this? Do we want them to find the policies? You know, mm. how do we want people to do it? It's not very, um, it's not very complicated. It's, it's fairly basic, but we get the team to work as a team. We get everybody mm. to work in their own areas. So if you're a nurse, you're a nurse. If you're a doctor, you're a doctor. Um, and then we let them run with it. We give them the scenario. We give them directions. So you've got a director. Um, and we just let them run with it. And then at the end, we have what we call plus delta debrief, mm. um, which is basically, a, okay, how did that go? Mm. Where everybody kind of stays silent. <laughs> <laughs> and the power of the silence, waiting for somebody to talk. Um, and then you do the plus is the, okay, so what went well? Nobody wants to talk because we don't like to say what, mm. we went, what went no. well. But as directors, you know, and as simulation, you know, we find so much that people do well. And I think people kind of realizing good communication skills mm. is is a good thing, you know, yeah. and sort of pointing that out to people, the good stuff that they're doing and letting them kind of find out the good stuff that they're doing. Mm. And then and, following... And also, like, acknowledging that it's really Absolutely. powerful. And that some of that good stuff shouldn't be taken for granted. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's really powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, this the positives are probably what we do 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we manage to do that for 95% of the time? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not just a, oh, yeah, that was great. Thanks for coming. Like, it, it's very much kind of 
pulling teasing that that positiveness out and and you know like how is it that we manage to to do this so well every time and and then how does it feel when it doesn't you know we've all been in a situation no doubt when it hasn't gone as well so what does that feel like as well eh? I mean mm. it comes from our basic assumption that everybody comes to work to kind of yeah. do a good job nobody comes to work to do a, a pretty poor job yeah. so you know just acknowledge the good stuff that you do mm. every day and and then the Delta part is kind of like, you know, okay, we don't focus on the negative, but we say, okay, if you were going to do that differently, what would you do differently? Mm. Is this something that you might do differently? Um, People often come up with these themselves, and I think you've got to sort of um, pull them back a little bit from Mm. kind of being too negative on themselves. It's like, okay, Mm. you know, so that didn't work out this time. What would you do differently next time? You know, it's fine. And again, it's the delta, eh? It's like it's the focus on that. It's not what went well or what went wrong. Mm. It's what went well and what might you change next time and what might you do differently next time. It's it's that really subtle language is is really, like it's powerful, I think, as well, being mindful Mm. of that is. So it's plus delta, not plus minus Mm. Um, and also just you know with these couple of different debrief methodologies um, we made a little debrief lanyard card Mm. our team did um, and we've got all the little debriefing cues about pre-brief and debrief um, that we've got laminated on our lanyards we take them everywhere with us Mm. I mean I've been debriefing for three years I still take mine everywhere with me (laughs) I give them out all the time if you're on our Twitter Starship Simprog uh, I shared it on there and I had a whole lot of people internationally that reached out wanting copies of it if you want a copy of it please message us we're happy to share that with you um, it's a really good reminder, actually, that yeah. the pre-brief is actually just as important as the oh, yeah. debrief. Hey? Definitely. And, and Psychological setting, safety. Yeah, setting everybody up, no matter what level. Like, again, the pre-brief is the same, zone one, zone two, and, and essentially zone three, just in a slightly different format. But mm. it's that setting the scene and setting that psychological safety to make it a safe place is it's almost more important than the debrief in some Absolutely. respects because if you don't get that bit right, then nothing can, nothing, you won't get as much out of it going mm. forward. And then maintaining that, like I think, I feel like that's one of our strengths as a team is is main, try, trying and being really focused on maintaining that psychological safety and Definitely. so making it a really safe place. No, you know, it's like Vegas, what happens in Sim stays in Sim and, and we don't talk about you, you don't talk about each other. You know that yeah. confidentiality stuff. The whole, that whole thing is really significant. Yeah. As well. And I think that's where I've got a lot the most. Um, you know, when I've started saying to people, "This isn't about you. No, this is about how mm. we work as a team. This yeah. is how we kind of work together." Yeah. And I think that's kind of a little bit of a. I've seen people have a little bit of a light bulb moment when yeah. we say that to them. Mm. And it's kind of like that. Okay, they're not going to focus on what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, you know. So something didn't go quite right that time. How can we solve it as a team? Yeah, and I think that's where you get a lot of the gold. Um, yeah, when you're yeah. kind of doing these debriefs. But I think it's important, you know, if you're looking at your sim program wherever you are, kind of you get so much richness from something as simple as a 20 minute scenario. Oh, you God, don't yeah. have yeah. to have yeah. something big and immersive. Mm. I mean, we'll mm-hmm. talk briefly about the zone three. Um, but I think it's it's kind of feeling, where do you want your learners to learn? How mm. do you want them to learn? Mm. And come when we get some yeah. really good teaching and simulation out of zone one and two, and you absolutely can, and that's what we do yeah. for the most part. And and I think 
the power of zone two, like with we sort of sell it as a start to finish 20 minute. And often you m- might read the scenario sheet and you think, gosh, this is really quite basic. But you still get this real depth to the learning because it's all about the teamwork. So I think the zone one, zone two is just really keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't try and, you know, have them doing the massive transfusion protocol mm. in a zone two, you know, like really just watering it down to the basics. But you yeah. still get a lot of power out of that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and again, the more that you do, you can, you know, there's potential to up the ante a little bit in oh, terms yeah. of noise and distraction and complexity of, mm. of scenario and even complexity of debrief, you know, just sort of touching on some some slightly deeper dive stuff but um, the fact that you can run it more frequently because it is mm. easier and more accessible almost makes it a little more powerful mm. it's still kind of single loop learning but again you can there is potential to push it a little bit Definitely. to to um, to maybe a little bit of double loop but um, it's something you know, that you can run by yourself. I mean, we've yeah, all kind of run yeah. them by ourselves. You know, we've got pretty, we've got something. Um, you know, we've got a a monitor that's it's run by a phone app. Um, just has a sort of a yeah. monitor kind of on it um, that we can kind of increase a little bit of the kind of ante mm, with that. Fidelity. But it's it's not it's mm. not kind of super complicated. Mm. It's something that anybody mm. could do. And I think it just adds to that fidelity, as you say, of the simulation. And you can get such good stuff out of half an hour scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, zone one, zone two, we run an uh, intro to sim workshop as well. Or, yeah, I think we're renaming that. But, yeah, essentially learning (laughs) zone one, zone two, how to. So Mm. that is something that we run if you're wanting a bit more information on that. Mm. Um, Yeah, I guess, man, we've been talking a lot. So. Uh, zone three, I guess we better get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, um, zone three is kind of the stuff that we live for, but it's um, oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's definitely sort of exponentially more work and yeah. more intense, which you know is the point. Um, but it does make it, you know, in current climate, healthcare climate, healthcare. Um, sort of stuffing, you know, resources climate, um, Mm. a little more difficult, but so, so valuable. So, again, as exponentially more difficult as it is to sort of deliver, Mm. uh, exponentially stronger learning outcomes, Mm. I think, um, from it, which is why part of the reason why we all live for it, I think. Mm. Um, But essentially that's the the full team, um, everybody who would normally be present for a really – pretty complex situation um, and it's full noise it's it's absolutely full noise mm. it's bleeding if there's bleeding required it's you know every human that that would potentially be involved being involved um, you know from external teams so from more than more than one um, area of specialty. Um, and it's it's absolutely zero role play. Everybody is doing what they would normally do, and um, then it's quite a quite an extensive faculty involvement as well. Mm. So it takes a lot of people to actually physically run the sim in terms of mm. keeping everybody safe and giving them what they need when they need it, being responsive in terms of 
you know, availability of, of um, results, if you like, for want of a better word. Um, and then it's, um, you know, once you've, it's having enough people to be able to kind of watch everything that's going on because, mm. you know, we've all been in crisis situations. It's organised chaos. Sometimes it's just chaos, but hopefully it's organised chaos. And so it's it's having those people that can watch and, and observe and and then take all of that watching and observing into a different room, into a really, really much more significant and formal kind of debrief, mm-hmm. which we... Um, we call AI debriefing um, or advocacy inquiry, and that's where we all sit down again as a as a big group. Everybody is kind of on the same level. Our faculty, in terms of debriefers, generally matches the group of participants that we have, and we have a really rich discussion and try to get to more of that double loop learning stuff. That more of that, you know, I observed this. Help me understand why. Why did you do this instead of that, or or why did this not happen for X amount of time, or you know, just why? Why did we behave in the way that we did? Um, and then having a really sort of rich discussion about the fact that lots of us maybe sometimes do do that in real life, and 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 then what are you know, as as teammates who were involved in that situation, what are some of the solutions and stuff that we can mm. figure out as a team and help each other? You know, mm. to to not do that again or to to make it better next time, so that the next time we're in this situation, we yeah, so, we kind of all on the same page or um, we can improve. Yeah, definitely. And like picking up latent safety threats and yeah. feeding those back to the organisation. Absolutely. Um, I feel like that happens yeah. all the way through, though, as well. Eh? Yes, like Even zone, zone two, we can find some of them occasionally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that team kind of um, learning together. And, mm. you know, the research out there about teams who practice together do better jobs together. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, the more that you know about your team and the more that you sort of think about how you do things the way you do them, mm. it does improve overall performance. Yeah, um, and how what you do impacts other people. Absolutely. I mean, so much of what we do is interdependent and and sometimes in parallel, sometimes if somebody doesn't do their, their bit right, my bit can't happen. You know, there's mm. so much of that interdependence that happens. And, and how can we improve that? Like, because there's always stuff that can be better, right? We can always be better with this and at this. So, yeah. yeah. And we're all human and humans do weird stuff 100%. and they're stressed. Oh <laughs> trying to understand why that is. I feel like yeah. we three talk about how we're the weirdest of the weird, <laughs> you know, so often. But probably not. But, you know, like it's it's just... And again, it's about being a being in a group where you can own your weirdness and and feel mm. comfortable and safe and just be like, oh my goodness, I'm so weird. How can I not be that weird again? Or you know, <laughs> or or how can my weirdness become a strength? Um, you know, it's it's that kind of stuff. Psychological hey? safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so <laughs> it's massive. It's it's kind of the it really is the basis of everything. But I mean, zone three is, you know, it's what we love to do because Mm. it is so immersive, but it's a lot of work. And Mm. I think it's kind of acknowledging how much work it actually does take Mm -hmm. to to put through a proper zone three. You can't just bring it out. You can't rush it. You have to make sure that everything is so-so because 
anything that does go wrong will go wrong. Mm. Um, so preparation is the key for these zone three. Um, mm. You want people to be able to immerse in it as much as possible to get the mm. b- proper learning from it. And, you know, if you don't have the right equipment, if you don't have – that will come up and that will be – Mm-hmm. Takes, you know, away point, learning, eh? takes away from the learning. Takes away from the learning. It's a sticking point, and and people yeah. can't focus on anything else but what you as a team have done wrong. So I think it's just mm-hmm. acknowledging that if you are going to do zone three, it's something that you really need to do proper preparation for, mm-hmm. um, yeah. to give your learners the best experience and the best learning experience. Mm-hmm. And the the debriefing as well is is mm-hmm. pretty crucial. Um, mm-hmm. it it's has it's to a be lot safe. to learn, and it and it yeah, and it has to be. It has to be safe. Yeah. And, um, you know, generally for us in our hospital that we predominantly work in, um, it's we have done some two-and-a-half-hour CRM workshops or Zone 3s. Um, and But, yeah, a lot of them are kind of like four hours sort of yeah. thing. So it's, it's a big resource. It's a big ask. I mean, the payoff for it is exponential. In, exponential. And the ripple effect from it as well. Yeah. Hey? Yeah. And that whole um, trust the process stuff in terms yeah. of, you know, it's it might be four hours out of everybody's day and four hours of resource or more if you're prepping. But but again, the ripple effect from mm. the and the learning that goes on from that four hours is, is, yeah, absolutely. Years. Career, yeah. Like, like life of career yeah, yeah, change. Yeah, like yeah. it's, you, you can't even, I don't even know if you could quantify it, to be honest. Like it's that yeah. powerful. Yeah. So, Yeah. And then, of course, Zone 4 is real life, and um, we have a resource that we use. um, We call it the ACE debrief in terms of, you know, kind of full circling this whole thing and bringing what, you know, what we do in real life and and debriefing what we, you know, what actually happens in real life Hmm. um, and and getting the most out of that as well. And, yeah, we should... um put that in the show notes too actually the link yeah. to our ACE debrief and we also have lanyard cards for running an ACE debrief as well yeah. that we are yeah. happy to share with you guys thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast it was made possible by the Starship Foundation and the Douglas Charitable Trust and special thanks go out to all of our amazing guests and especially our producer Carl Thompson from Blue and Ginge Creative if you'd like to connect with us on Twitter or find out any information from any of the episodes on this podcast, just see the show notes. Our Twitter handle is at starshipsimprog and our email is starshipsim at adhb.govt.nz. We would love to hear from you.